the topic I set for this week or this month perhaps is mindfulness. So I've been reflecting on that topic in preparation for this talk. When there's difficulty, um, difficult emotions, sorrow, grief, uh, difficult physical sensations, pain, discomfort, if I can remember to counter the impulse to run away from those and escape, as it were, rather into, into life not from life. In those difficult moments, sometimes just remembering to do that, to go in, to lean in, to be present with, accept, embrace. Just remembering to do that, that pivot, is the most important thing. And then as we all know, in entering that territory of presence. The, the it transforms, the so-called problem, and we transform. In large part because our Ideas about that whole picture transform. And they transform through, through the direct experience of what's happening. Mindfulness, I think, is hard to talk about. Uh, for me, it's hard to talk about because as we're sitting here, it's just this breath. It's just this sound. It's just these body sensations. 
when we're walking, it's just the feet. When we're eating, it's textures and tastes. Yet sometimes in practice, it takes a while just to train the mind in even the idea, the possibility of being present and just being present. That is feeling, seeing, smelling, tasting. Minus the extra. <laughs> so without thinking, really. And sometimes it takes a while to even have a taste of what that would mean. What? Don't think. So we train ourselves by just coming back and coming back and coming back. We have a text which I'll read a little bit from today called The Four Foundations of Mindfulness. And really the foundation is mindfulness, <laughs> is presence. Because the present is where life is. and where truth is. This breath is truth. These actual sensations are truth. The Buddha said to his monks, this is the direct path for the purification of beings, for the surmounting of sorrow and lamentation, for the disappearance of pain and grief, for the attainment of the true way, for the realization of nirvana namely the four foundations of mindfulness. Well, this is the way to awakening. What are the four? Here bhikkhus, and bhikkhus just means monks. A bhikkhu abides contemplating the body as a body, 
ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. They abide contemplating feelings as feelings, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. They abide contemplating mind as mind, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. They abide contemplating mind objects as mind objects, ardent, fully aware, and mindful, having put away covetousness and grief for the world. Having put away, I want this, I don't want that. Present, fully, vividly present. And then he goes through in great detail what he means by each of these. Basically lays out a path for um, investigating this present moment from different sides. There's a little more. And how, bhikkhus, does a bhikkhu abide contemplating the body as a body? Here a bhikkhu, gone to the forest or to the root of a tree or to an empty hut, sits down, having folded their legs crosswise, sets their body erect, and establishes mindfulness in front of them. Ever mindful, they breathe in. Mindful, they breathe out. Breathing in lawn, they understand, I breathe in lawn. Or breathing out lawn, they understand, I breathe out lawn. Breathing out short, they understand, I breathe out short. Or breathing in short, they understand, I breathe in short. They train thus, I shall breathe in experiencing the whole body. They train thus, I shall breathe out experiencing the whole body. Just as a skilled turner or their apprentice when making a long turn understands I make a long turn, or when making a short turn understands I make a short turn, so too, breathing in long, bhikkhu understands I breathe in long, etc. So I think mindfulness is hard to talk about. All the Buddha means by all of this, long breath, short breath, long turn, short turn, is that when we're really present, we're going to notice the duration of the breath. So this has nothing to do with labeling things long and short. Long and short are relative relative terms. So um, when I'm walking kinhin, doing walking meditation, um, I try to be aware of every step. If I'm really present, really more fully present, I can be aware not just of the fact that there are steps, but of which part of the foot hits the ground first, which part of the 
foot leaves the ground first. What's happening with temperature, with wind, what sounds are around. The Buddha also included in contemplating the body as body um, Well, so first of all, feeling sensations. And really before the idea that this is my body, feeling body sensations, bodily sensations. Right, feeling sensations before that idea. Contemplating the body over time. So, imagining the body, he says, in a charnel ground. You know, at that time, bodies were thrown onto charnel grounds. One day, two days, three days dead. And then partially decomposed and then fully turned to dust. And then he goes through all the different categories that um, Thich Nhat Hanh went through in our reading the other day. For instance, the five elements in the body. So whatever we turn our attention to immediately gets highlighted. So the five elements in the body for review, one is water. So turning our attention to what is fluid, what is liquid in the body. So water, blood, pus, oil of the joints. And our awareness of bodily fluids is highlighted. Similarly, we can turn the attention to what is solid. or to the air element, the breath in the body, or to the fire element, to temperature in the body. So part of this is done to give the mind a task. And part of this kind of contemplation is the Buddha goes through his method, which he says by the end will lead, if practiced ardently, in as few as seven days to complete enlightenment. Part of going through in a systematic way, looking at this part, looking at that part, looking at this other part, is we start to see ourselves more intimately as these parts with nothing really holding it all together. 
so sometimes in these contemplations, there's the added um, instruction to see, let's say, the fire element, the temperature in the body, as this is not me. This is not mine, this heat in the body, this coolness in the body. This is not myself. So I mentioned before that when I notice suffering, and I notice that I am suffering, if I can remember to go right into it, right into it, then in that going right into it, um, that very phenomenon that I was calling suffering opens up opens up and becomes not only part of the spiritual path, well, for now I'll just say becomes the path, because it always was the path. What's happening is the path. It can't be something else. It can't be. It can't be something other than this life. either engaging this life and growing in this life or trying to run from this life. And the trying to run from this life is fruitless, as we all know. In spiritual practice, we have this idea of engaging a path that's bigger than just us, or that has benefits that are wider than just we get to experience uh, some relief from suffering. Um, and we've gone over that a lot, of course that's true. But this kind of idea, this kind of understanding of reality can be really helpful when it's difficult and when there's aversion to going straight into this present reality, when there's resistance to doing what needs to be done, the next thing, which is sometimes difficult and sometimes very joyful and sometimes some mixture of all of this. So we do our practice with friends um, in this whole spiritual context. Mm -hmm. 
with whatever vow we have in our heart to wake up or to help others or to live an authentic life or to do all of these things. Sometimes in engaging this practice, um, more than sometimes, we might notice that there are what I would call some side benefits. Maybe our anxiety decreases. Maybe our sense of health and well-being increases. Maybe even some other documented things happen, like high blood pressure lowering or low blood pressure going up. So I think I can't really talk about mindfulness without talking a little about the, a little. I stop myself from talking too much about, but talking a little about the modern kind of mindfulness movement. Because there's such a potency in this medicine of just being present. And I think that a lot of good has been done in um, popularizing this simple, simple, almost too simple to talk about medicine. Just be here now. And I think also um, some things can get lost in removing um, you know, taking a thing out of a whole rich spiritual tradition and trying to isolate it, trying to make it specifically um, not spiritual, uh, secular even. You're not going to get very far introducing mindfulness in the schools, for instance, if it's tied to any particular religion. So you set that aside. And hopefully help the kids just breathe and be present. So anyway, it's interesting to see um, the spiritual tradition that we practice being brought out, brought out in this way. I've experienced some decent guided meditations, for instance, and some really bad ones, where someone was just um, at the extreme reading off a piece of paper trying to guide people where to turn the attention next, and clearly not even 
doing the meditation themselves. Through actual engagement with the practice, we learn directly what it has to offer and we're naturally able to then share it with others. As we're sharing something that is uh, verified by our own experience and also based in our own experience and not read off some paper. There's a little bit about mindfulness. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Good to see everyone. We'll do the Heart Sutra in three bows. Thank you.